it's a little embarrassing on this day to be um, farewelled yet again. This is my third attempt at retirement. Uh, but it has been my privilege to be part of this congregation for the last almost five years, which is a big surprise to me. Um, and I will uh, not really say goodbye because maybe they'll let me back in the door from time to time, but I, I will officially not be a staff member. Please pray with me. God, our Father, who knows us better than we know ourselves, help us to know you. Open our deaf ears and our blind eyes that we might recognize your presence with us now. Help us to hear your call to each one of us and to all of us together by name. Take these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, O Lord, and make them acceptable to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, a few nights ago, I had what I would call a good night's sleep. In my deep, dreamless state, however, I was suddenly rudely awakened by a noise in the darkest hour of the night. It was a loud noise. It uh, penetrated my deep unconscious, and yet I couldn't identify it. I didn't know what it was. My husband, Jeff, was sleeping peacefully next to me on the pillow, so it was clear he hadn't heard it. And so for the next several minutes, I lay there in bed, holding my breath, struggling through the dark to hear. I could hear my heart pounding. I could hear my breath sighing in and out. I could hear my eyelashes fluttering against the pillowcase as I strained through the dark to hear if that sound would come again. Did I imagine it? Did I dream it? Or was something happening in my home that I really needed to wake up to? I don't know. It didn't come again. Now, this was even more disturbing because a good night's sleep is a somewhat rare occurrence for me. And judging by the vast number of commercials touting sleep aids on our media, I know that I am not alone. It is basically an epidemic, our sleeplessness. We are a nation of insomniacs. Now, there can be a million causes for it, of course, from imbalanced hormones to perhaps one too many chocolates before bedtime, Marjorie. But I think more often than not, in these strange and changing times we live in, I think many of us have been rustled awake by our own unrest. We are all straining through the dark to listen for if there is something happening in our household that we really need to wake up to. The scripture today shines a little moonlight on Samuel, who was a young boy of ancient Israel. He's apprenticed to the priest Eli in the Lord's temple at Shiloh, which is where it was in the early days. It seems that Samuel is having a hard time getting a good night's sleep too. Like us, Samuel lived in a time of incredible political, religious, and social upheaval when every person did what was right in their own eyes, as the book of Judges tells us. And even in the temple of Shiloh, the sons of the priest Eli were described as wicked men with no regard for the Lord. They were corrupt in their financial dealings. They took advantage of those around them. They abused the power of their office. 
which I think sounds horribly familiar in the times that we live in now. It seemed to have been a long time since God had spoken, but the people weren't listening anyway. Times were very dark. And that's where the scripture starts for us today. It's nighttime, and the priest Eli, who's getting old and blind in more ways than one, is asleep. His protege, Samuel, sleeps in the room where the Ark of the Covenant is kept, where the lamp of God burns every evening from dusk till dawn. Our story starts in the very darkest hour of the night. So listen for the word of God to you today as it comes from the first book of Samuel, chapter 3, reading from the first verse. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, here I am, and ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go and lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it's a night scene, darkness both physical and spiritual in all the life of Israel. The land is in chaos, and most folks are living as though God does not exist. And the lamp of God has not gone out. The light still shines in the darkness. Samuel is having a hard time getting some rest. Something keeps waking him up, although he can't really identify it. Three times he hears it. Three times he tiptoes into Eli's room to say, here I am. Did you call me? No. Go back to sleep. The word of the Lord was rare in those days, we're told. The people were sleeping, and it must have seemed to them that God was sleeping too. But no. God was still there delightfully and disturbingly awake and calling out clearly, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Do you remember that commercial? Do you remember the cell phone technician moving from one spot to another through the vast wilderness or maybe in an empty sports stadium, testing, testing, testing for reception? I wonder, you know, if God is like that, standing before us, calling out to us, even as we strain our ears to listen through the dark night, can you hear me now? 
Samuel discovered, Israel discovered, and we too shall discover that although we may be distracted, confused, asleep, even deaf to God's voice, God is intimately, ultimately, persistently, eternally awake and present to us. Can you hear me now? This is the classic call story. This is the story of God who knows us by name and calls each one of us, even though we often have a hard time hearing. This is the story of God who often calls us in the middle of our darkest hour. Indeed, this is the story of God who names us and claims us and persistently stands before us until we wake up to our God-given lives. This is the story of God who always, always, always will call us out of the old into something new. Always. God's call is assured and it will come to each one of us sooner or later for the will and purpose of God is enacted through real people in real time. This is the meaning of your baptism. You've been named and claimed by God who wants to use you to make God's kingdom come. That is right, takes my breath away. God uses real, ordinary, flawed people like me, like you, to transform the world. Sometimes we take a while to understand it. Sometimes we need somebody more experienced to help us interpret it. Almost always, it will terrify us. Because always, always, it will change us. For Samuel and Eli, that change was radical. God tells them, I'm doing something that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. The old order will pass away. I am making all things new. You know, this is the scripture story from beginning to end that even when times are dark and anxieties are high and the way forward is unclear, even when people are wayward and wrong seems to be winning, even when we are sleepy or slow, God is at work recruiting us to be his agents of transformation in this amazing world where God is always busy making all things new. Can you hear me now? It takes courage to listen for that call in the quiet of our hearts, courage to live into our faith, courage to face the living God who knows us when we are being knit together in our mother's womb, who discerns our thoughts from far away, is acquainted with all our ways. Yes, the God who loves us completely and unconditionally, just exactly as we are, and way too much to leave us that way. It takes courage for us to follow a man named Jesus who demonstrates with his life and with his death and with his resurrection the boundless, limitless possibilities of living as people who know ourselves, as Jesus so clearly did, to be children of the living God. For when we live into that truth, when we really live into it, we shall indeed be changed. But let's be honest, for most of us, we don't really like change. 
No, not really. In these days when everything around us seems to be changing so fast, we can't keep up. It's easy to feel disoriented and dismayed. We instinctively resist change in all its forms because we know things will be different. But I think today is an especially good time for you, Kirk and the Hills, in this interim time that you're experiencing together as a congregation to stop and consider the change that comes as an invitation to a new way of being, a new narrative, change that comes as an invitation to listen together for God's call and claim upon your individual lives, yes, but also upon your shared life together as the body of Christ. What new thing is God calling forth here? What new possibilities for goodness, truth, justice, peace, reconciliation, and love might God be longing to bring to fruition through you? In what ways is God nudging you out of your peaceful, contented sleep into an adventure beyond your wildest dreams? Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Day. And whether you plan to march or stop to sing or pray, I urge you to take some time out of your day to think about this remarkable man who never wanted to be a preacher, who became one because his father expected him to. Martin Luther King never wanted to be a civil rights leader. He was actually hoping for a nice, quiet life as an academic. But the way it turned out, he was thrust into the forefront by the Montgomery bus boycott. And he likes to tell the story of how he returned home late one night, tired and frightened. The phone rang and an angry voice on the other end said, we're gonna get you. He stood in his kitchen, frozen with fear. He wanted to call his father for reassurance and advice, and advice, but his dad wasn't there. But then he said it was like he heard a voice. Martin, you do what's right. You stand up for justice. You be my drum major for righteousness. I will be with you. Martin Luther King had heard his name called. He answered the call, and his life was changed. And through his life, used so well by God, the world was changed forever. Forty years later, this country elected its first African-American president. Maybe you voted for him, maybe you didn't. But I hope no matter who we voted for, we can all be united in wonder that this presidency could not have been imagined, even by Dr. Martin Luther King, such a short time before. Theologian Stephanie Paulsell in an article in the Christian Century noted that in the county where she grew up in North Carolina, for years marked its county line with a billboard proclaiming the Ku Klux Klan welcomes you. In November 2008, Barack Obama carried that same county by a margin of 7%. out of our shameful history of racism and oppression. 
emerged a new narrative for us all. A new way of being, a new way of seeing the people we might actually become. As Dr. King said, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Can you hear me now? This is the essence of the gospel. This is the good news that you do not have to be as you are. You don't have to be stuck in your history. You don't have to be trapped in the fears that keep you awake at night. You can set a new course, discover God's story for you, answer Jesus' invitation to be born again and again. And dear Lord, yes, again. As Paul so reminds us, Jesus never tired of inviting people to change. Follow me and I will make you fish for people. Go your way and do not sin again. Sell all you have and give the money to the poor and then come follow me. Jesus believes that people are capable of radical change. And that in itself is good news for us all. So my friends, next time you wake up in the dark of the night with a start, knowing that the land is in chaos and that people are living as though God does not exist, remember that the lamp of God has not gone out. The light still shines in the darkness. Do not be afraid. Instead, take a deep breath and say out loud, here I am, Lord. Your servant is listening. Amen.